0: This is the j scott outdoors podcast on western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by gohunt.com insider research faster hunt more go to gohunt.com forward slash insider and join today i'm your host Jay scott and i live and breathe hunting and fishing spending half the year in the field experiencing god's creation i hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures welcome to the j scott outdoors podcast today we have a special episode with Nikolai Kavilia. Nikolai is the owner of Deadeye Outfitters and I'm proud to announce that Deadeye Outfitters is actually going to be a new sponsor for the J. Scott Outdoors uh, podcast and I'm excited to have Nikolai on. Nikolai how are you doing?
1: Doing well Jay how are you?
0: Oh doing pretty good. What made you think you wanted to sponsor the podcast?
1: Well I'm a big fan of it. I started listening to it to it right I think right after you started it and uh I'm a, I'm a big fan of podcasts and, uh, yours caught my interest because you had some really great guests and it, it, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you, you do a really good job with it. So, uh, you know, I, I jumped on the opportunity to be a part of it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to have, form a partnership uh, with Deadeye Outfitters and really appreciate your support and, um, it's going to be exciting to, um, be able to go through the next couple months and, and uh, get to see what Deadeye Outfitters is all about. Uh, why don't you explain to my listeners, what is Deadeye Outfitters?
1: So Deadeye Outfitters is a uh, just a brand for hunters, by hunters. Um, we produce mainly apparel at this stage in the game, uh, T-shirts, hats, hooded sweatshirts, um, pretty much any lifestyle apparel that you can, uh, you can think of, and uh, we just... I came upon a pretty good opportunity a long time ago and uh, and seized it. So
0: that's awesome. And um, where are you based out of, Nikolai?
1: We're based out of Reno, Nevada, um, which makes it nice because we've got a really a lot of really big suppliers around here for the manufacturing and and what have you. So we can uh, we got a really good industry here in Reno, so that helps the uh, the Deadeye business quite a bit.
0: Before we get into the individual products and such that Deadeye provides, um, I know you're a big hunter. Um, tell me about your hunting background and how that led you to starting Dead Eye and how that the passion of hunting you know kind of drives your business.
1: Yeah, so um, you know like a lot of people, uh, I, my dad instilled it in me. I was born and raised in uh, Ely, Nevada. Um, for those of you that don't know, it's right on the Utah border just straight west of reno and it's a desolate place so there really isn't a whole lot to do out there except for chase big deer and elk and um you know growing up out there my dad had my brother and i out there as early as he could you know i i can't remember a time when i wasn't out in the hills um and he created the monsters that my brother and i have turned into be we uh um he would start start out every morning and put a bounty on deer elk so a dollar for the biggest a dollar for the most and a dollar for the first and so my brother being you know three years apart we were super competitive so we would you know we hit the hills pretty hard trying to find the biggest the most and the first and uh little did he know he was going to create monsters
0: (laughs) the area around um ely uh, i have not been to ely myself what is the terrain like there and is it um I know it's re- renowned for uh, great elk hunting, but, um, tell me a little bit about that area.
1: You know, it's, it's pretty high elevation. The valley floor where Ely's at is 6,500 feet or thereabouts. And, uh, we've got some pretty, pretty high elevation mountains around there up to, uh, the second highest peak in the States, thirteen three, I believe right around there. And, uh, a, a bunch of really long mountain ranges that run, you know, 70, 80 miles. And, uh, they get up to about 11,000 feet. So we've got everything from the pinion juniper all the way up to the aspens, the big pines, and then, uh, the uh, above the timberline stuff as well. Um, and it's, you know, we've had the big elk, you know, I grew up with all the elk there with all the giants that, that everybody was pulling out of there in the, you know, nineties and early two thousands and even today. Um, but mainly the, the big, the big critters around there are the deer and the elk. Um, we have antelope. Uh, that side of the state's really not known for producing big antelope. Um, just south of there, you can run into desert sheep and, um, a little ways west or east towards the uh, Utah border, you'll find a, a herd of Rockies as well that are huntable on Mount Mariah, and, uh, that's just north of the Great Basin National Park. So it's pretty much everything. You've got, uh, I mean, a, a lot of mountain mahogany hunting. Um, so it's a, a lot of, a lot of open, big country.
0: If you could only hunt one animal around your neck of the woods, uh, what animal would it be?
1: Uh, for me, that's a tough question. It, it's a tie between desert sheep and mule deer, um, but I, I'd have to say mule deer. They're the, the you know they're just the gray ghost, and they uh, they're the ones that haunt my dreams still. You know I've had I've had worse luck hunting mule deer and and uh, seeing. You know, just had a lot more more be- more fun hunts at least, hunting mule deer than anything else.
0: Um, I know you've shot some great mule deer. Um what is your biggest mule deer that you've harvested, Nikolai? The
1: best the best buck I've killed is was just last year. Um it was two oh one and four eighths gross and one ninety seven net. Um non typical. He was a uh, pretty neat buck. He about a hundred and ninety inch mainframe, and then he had an inline off his main beam on the right side, and a cheater off his G3 on the right side. And the left side, he had um, about a four-inch point right off the base. Is actually a fourth antler, um, or he has four antlers. Actually, he's a point, a uh, one antler that goes right underneath his uh, his base, about four and a half inches forward, and then one that kicks off back behind his base. That's about uh inch and a half, two inches long as well.
0: What kind of frame? What? How? wide is I is
1: just under thirty, so twenty nine and some change. And uh, nice.
0: Yeah, just, what? What year was that? What hunt? That was, was last
1: that? year with the muzzleloader. Um, the
0: is they rutting? Or... No,
1: no. It was early season, September muzzleloader. The the muzzleloader hunts here in Nevada are right after the uh, or most of them are right after the archery season. So I believe my hunt started September fifth and and went a couple weeks or went the whole month of September. Um, I,
0: Was that a buck you'd been watching, or or did you just hunt him up and find him? You and know, I kill
1: him? I hunted him up and found him. I spent when I drew that tag, uh, I spent I drove from Reno to Ely, which is about 324 miles. I drove that I did that drive about um, six or seven weekends scouting, and uh, didn't turn him up until opening day is when I found him. I had found a couple really big bucks and uh at the same time the archery elk hunt's going on so there's a lot of people in there a lot of competition and you know nobody really scouting for deer it's just mainly you got 10 or 12 people for each archery elk tag you had so um i kind of changed game plans three days before the hunt and went just somewhere that a new held deer knew you know could produce big deer and uh, just kind of wanted to get away from the people and lo and behold 15 minutes after first light he uh showed his face, and I ended up missing him opening day.
0: Um, oh, man, that was probably a heartbreaker. Oh, yeah,
1: it's 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 kind of a weird story. Um, we have to use iron sights here in Nevada on a muzzleloader. So um, before the season started, I went for my annual eye checkup and found out that I've got a, a little bulge in one of my eye lenses, and it, it uh, doesn't allow me to see hard, crisp, sharp edges with my right eye. And for someone who's right-eye dominant, that doesn't work that well. So uh, so um, the the muzzleloader setup that I shoot is a a peep sight in the back that's adjustable for elevation. And then the front is a globe with a really fine crosshair in it, which allows you to shoot, you know, 300 yards really well with open sight muzzleloader. And um, so I shot left-handed all summer. I taught myself how to shoot left-handed with that gun so I could see the front sights. And I was proficient out to three hundred yards. Um and opening day when I buck stepped out, uh instinct kicked in and I didn't have much time. Um dropped down to one knee, put the gun on a tripod and pulled the trigger and my my elevation was already set for two hundred yards and after after the, the smoke cleared I see the dust floating up by his feet and I realized that I shot the gun right handed. Oh, and that's when I did one of those face palm Forehead
0: slaps, <laughs> and
1: uh, that we've all done. Oh yeah, it was, it was just one of those moments that instinct, just straight instinct. Hunting my entire life right handed, and just shouldering that gun in those situations, instinct just took over. And so I, I watched the buck run over the ridge and um, did the the low head walk back to the truck and went out the walk of shame exactly, and <laughs> drugged myself off the mountain and went out in the flats and shot a couple times left-handed just to be sure I was still on and built some confidence again and um, I didn't i was hunting by myself too i did most of my scouting and my hunting by myself and uh the next day I didn't turn him up turned up another decent buck but passed him up and then uh, i actually watched a bobcat stalk a group of four bucks for about an hour wish I had my video camera but didn't get it done and that was pretty neat and um, so then uh, that that evening my dad came down the the second night of the hunt my dad came down to join me and uh, the third morning we woke up late, everything was going wrong. Um, you know, no radios didn't, radios didn't work. Uh, it was after it was too late. You know, I was, a, it was just getting the first light route and I popped out of camp. And so we hustled to get where I wanted to go and, um, couldn't split up with my dad, couldn't cover more ground because I didn't have any way to communicate with him. And it's just big flat country where I was. So he stuck with me and, I don't I just got lucky. I hiked up on this knob where he had the basin he had traveled into and I no longer got to the top of the knob and set my pack down and looked up and he was 400 yards in front of me. Um
0: was he feeding or did he know you were there? He, he
1: heard some noise. Like we we did a pretty good job sneaking in there. He had heard something, but he was looking down the canyon. He wasn't looking anywhere near us and so um I just had my dad sit sit there and I just bailed and got in a little pocket that he can see me and I ran up and got 280 yards from him and the sun pinned me down on a uh, kind of an open ridge and i couldn't get any closer without dropping down and losing losing sight of him so i just kind of set up and waited for him to feed uh, and he fed out into an opening and this hammered him double lunged him at 280 with the muzzleloader and uh that was it left-handed left-handed
0: yeah <laughs> well, has your has your eye um uh, have you been able to repair your eye or, or is that going to be something that you'll be dealing with now um, for the rest of your life?
1: It's repairable. I just haven't had time to get it done naturally. Um, but yeah, I've, I've talked to a couple different people. They'll be able to repair it. So, so right now Good. it's shooting left-handed.
0: Yeah. And how have you found um, other than that situation where you rushed and shot right-handed? I mean, um, I, I haven't really thought of, teaching yourself to shoot left-handed tell me a little bit about the transition and and how how that went
1: you know it was, it was a pretty easy transition um i i couldn't I, nothing really jumped out jumps out at me as far as being difficult i think the first couple times just situating yourself and getting used to you know grabbing the gun backwards apparently you know like right arm on the forearm just it, it seemed kind of weird um, but I got, I got comfortable after about the third or fourth out to where it wasn't, wasn't a big deal. Um, it's just, I never expected to have that reaction on the hill.
0: Yeah. I mean, your normal instinct would kick in and, and it would be hard to probably go to something that you would, you know, you trained yourself to do as, as opposed to just instinct where you just automatically, you know, it'd be like shooting a basketball and you practice left-handed, but you know all of a sudden you get thrown in the game, you're probably going to throw it up right-handed just because you, you, that's what you're used to. Um, so mule deer is your love. Um, I know you've uh, shot some nice elk as well. Um, tell me about this five-point. Uh, I saw a picture of a big five-point that you shot. Yes,
1: yeah, so when I was um, 19, I was lucky enough to draw a Nevada elk tag, and back then they really didn't have – this was in 2002 um, – they really didn't have a lot of tags, and it was still just one season. Uh, I, uh, unfortunately, was in college, and so I couldn't devote a whole lot of time to scouting. So um, my dad, was he still lives over in Ely, so he was doing a lot of scouting for us. And, and uh, my brother and I would run over on the weekends and, and do what we could. And, you know, luckily, we'd, we'd hunted enough elk in that area to where we kind of had a, a, a good basis of where we should hunt, where we should look without you know, just growing up in the area. So I ended up, uh, um, my my dad picked up that bull. My, we'd found that bull the year before, and he wasn't busted. And he was about 380 the year before. And uh, when my brother found him, he was deer hunting, and he just reached down and picked up a piece of broken elk antler. And he's looking at it, and he walks around a tree, and that um, big bull was just the big six points just standing there about 300 yards. And so he named him the Broken Horn Bull. And never could find him. My brother had a tag that same year, or the year before mine, and we couldn't find him in my brother's season. And so uh, my brother killed a really nice seven by five. Um, And then when I drew the tag, my brother told my dad to kind of keep an eye eye out for that big six point, um, because we knew he hadn't been killed. So. And, Nikolai,
0: just to rehash here, is this a, a November hunt? Yeah, this is the late, okay. late season, okay.
1: November 1st starting date, I believe, or somewhere thereabouts, the first week of November. Okay. Um, and so my my, uh, my dad goes out and finds that bull and um, calls me and tells me and says, I got good news and bad news. I found your giant bull. I said, well, what's the bad news? He goes, well, he's busted. I said, "How bad?" He goes, "About forty inches busted." So then, you know, your heart drops, and you think about it. But he goes, "Yeah, you might want to look at him anyways." And uh, so we did. We went out there the next weekend. And I picked him up, and and you know, he he's he was just a giant. He had twenty-two inch bezes, uh, nineteen nineteen and a half, nineteen and three on the um, the thirds, twenty-four and a half inch royals, one fifth is uh, eighteen and a half. The other one's fifteen. Um, and just watching him walk around with just, you know, dang near twenties everywhere. Uh, I made my mind up the weekend before the season started that if I had a chance opening morning, that he was going to, he's going to hit the dirt. And, um, as luck would have it, he, we found him opening morning and I was able to get it done uh, 534 yard shot. And, uh, that was it kind of quick hunt. But, um, unfortunately we didn't know it, but my brother, uh, jinxed him the year before when he named him a broken horn bowl because the next year he just happened to break off both of his brow tines and um you couldn't even get an inch out of his brow tines really yeah so,
0: so and he went 350 as it as it sat as, it sat, with, as, with as, bro- a,
1: as a five point he's 350 and three eights with bro- broken with eye guards bro- broken brow tines yeah
0: wow yeah
1: he was he wow. was a big bowl and um you know i I got a lot of guff for shooting a broken bull from, you know, a bunch of my buddies over there, but he just, he, he looks good on the wall. It's, he's unique. You know, you don't see, he's not really, bu- he's not busted anywhere besides his brow tines. So just kind of different looking elk, but.
0: Well, that's cool. It sounds like a great animal and, and, um, your love for sheep hunting, um, where did that start and, and what adventure has that taken you on?
1: Well, for the sheep hunting, you know, I kind of got started late on sheep just because it's so hard to draw in Nevada. Um, but uh, when, when after hanging out with Chris Lacey for, for a little bit after I met him doing Deadeye, um, uh, we started, you know, getting together with Victor Clark and then you'd find know somebody that drew a tag. And so I got invited out on, on a couple of sheep hunts with uh, some of the heavy hitter sheep hunters in Nevada, Victor Clark and Victor Trujillo and Chris Lacey. And So the first sheep hunt I ever went on was, um, I think it was 2009, We went to the Bears, which is probably one of the number one units in Nevada, unit 253. And went in there, and we we ended up killing a a 176-inch ram, uh, 38 on each side, or 36 and 38 with 15 and uh, some change on the bases, and just an absolute giant. Um, Nevada ram and so I got spoiled there and ever since then I've been able to hunt almost every year with somebody um, whether it's a friend or going down and helping my brother guide or or do, doing something like that and it's it's always it's it's been a blast um, my dad was actually lucky enough to draw in 2011 and he drew a pretty unique unit that produces big rams that um, it's called the stone walls and you actually get to go on the test site the famous Area 51 uh, Air Force Base test site. And you have to go through a training class because you're actually on an old active test site. So you will see missiles, you will see bombs, you will see all sorts of stuff. And if you see something metal, just don't touch it and don't pick anything up and don't take anything off the site. And so that was pretty neat because we did see Sidewinder missiles sitting across the canyon from us. And (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we that, we learned, my brother and I learned, uh, and uh, my dad learned a really good lesson that year on sheep hunting is um, they're extremely difficult to judge sometimes. Um, opening morning, we had a group of about five or six really good guys down there hunting with my dad, and we split up, and my dad and, and my brother and uh, a good buddy of ours named Slade Sanborn went up on top of this, this mountain, and I went around the one north side of it with Chris, and couldn't find anything good that day, so we go meet back up at camp, and my brother has video of a ram that they passed today, and uh I looked at it, and my, my, instantly I knew he was, you know, a big ram, like 170. His mass was insane, and uh my brother watches, and my dad watched us ram at 300 yards for, I don't know, three or four hours, and he just looked short. He just dropped, and he stopped, you know, just straight down. Mm-hmm. He didn't tip up at all, and just to, you know, looked like he was about 30 inches long. And so they were going back and forth on the mountain, whether he was big enough or not. And they decided to pass. Well, Chris Lacey looked at the video and he's looked at a lot more sheep than us. And he told him, he goes, Would you pass a, a Boone and Crockett typical mule deer opening morning? And my brother's like, No. He goes, Then why would you pass up a Boone and Crockett sheep opening morning? So, you know, you start thinking about things <laughs> like that. And so we, we ended up trying to go back in there and, and, uh, we're hunting next to, uh, our good buddy, Victor Trujillo, who's probably one of the most proficient Nevada guides there is right now for desert sheep. And so we, uh, we went, we woke up and got out of camp and those guys had beat us to the trailhead. And so we asked them which way to go, they were going and they went up on top and we had to go across the canyon and watched him shoot that ram from opening morning. And, uh, Todd Jassick was his client and, they killed it. And I believe it, I want to say it netted 174 and five eights. Oh, so that was a heartbreaker. And it was it's oh. on the cover of uh great Rams three, I believe that book. Okay. So yeah, it's, that was a heartbreaker. Um, but the, I mean, we don't, we didn't know, you know, we were, we we're kind of rookies at sheep, And, you know, we, when we got back to camp and looked at the Ram, Victor Trujillo walked over and told us, you know, it feels a deer or elk. You guys would have known, but, you guys haven't looked enough Rams yet, so, and that's I think that's the biggest thing with sheep hunting is just getting to look at, at Rams and looking over tons and tons of Rams just to kind of get a, an idea because they are extremely tough to judge at times.
0: Yeah, they absolutely can be, and you know you, you have a Ram that's got a lot of mass, uh, it hides length. Uh, you know, several of the big ones that I've been around you know, when you're plugging in numbers and trying to estimate and field judge them, a lot of times you can't get yourself to really, you know, say what you think the RAM is just because, you know, you, for, for my sake, you know, I don't want to be over ever. Um, but definitely if you've got a RAM with a lot of mass, a lot of times mass can hide length and and appear short. Um, but you also have to watch that, you know, the ram's not by himself and he appears like he's got a lot of mass and he really is short. So there is a lot of fine little intricate things and certainly looking at a bunch of rams is uh, the best way to make sure you can feel judge. And uh, it is neat, though, to, to have a lesson like that. And even though it was a hard lesson to learn, um, you know, that probably will never happen to you again. But, you know, on your not knowing your brother, but, you know, speaking about what he did, if he wasn't sure and he had a tag in his pocket or or your dad, I mean, uh, and didn't shoot it, um, that's still okay because, you know, he he didn't want to do something and make a mistake. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that every hunter goes through. Um, and then did your dad end up shooting a ram?
1: Yeah. So, uh, two days after that, we watched, uh, Todd, um, hammer that ram we uh, we ended up killing a, a really nice ram for my dad he grosses right at 170 and Nets uh 169 and four I believe and he had awesome. he had the exact same shape as Todd's Ram same bases same length um, and same first quarter measurements the only thing that Todd's had on his was I believe my dad's last quarter measurement was a nine and some change and Todd's ram was like 11 11 and a half on his last quarter so he oh, just man. baseball bats down there low so it was it was a fun hunt I mean we had Everybody got to watch my dad um, hit the ram or shoot the ram, and we were all right there on top. Of him. we all hiked back in there and got it all on video, and it was pretty neat. Um, after my dad hit the ram, th- there's another good maybe mid 160s ram there with him. Uh, they didn't know what was going on, and and uh, my dad heart shot him, and he was just kind of just up on his feet waiting to tip over, and the other ram just reared back and they butted heads um, probably about 30 seconds or after my dad shot, and after they butted heads my dad's ram tipped over and that that 160 ram just stood over him like yeah i'm the man now it was kind of funny yeah.
0: <laughs> who's the watching boss exactly
1: now? Yeah, no idea what was going on but it was pretty funny it was it was a good yeah. video but yeah watching my dad walk up on that ram was a uh, was a pretty pretty awesome feeling i got some actual photos of him when he when he walked up to the ram and i uh, just on oh, that's a moment i'll never forget
0: that's awesome. Well, it's been great talking to you about all these different hunts and it's obvious that you live and breathe hunting. I want to talk to you a little bit about deadeye outfitters um, and basically how does how does deadeye outfitters operate? How did it get started? Uh, you know what is the concept behind deadeye outfitters? And, and just just talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Um, well, Deadeye basically got its roots, I want to say about 10 years ago. Um, I was working for another brand locally here in Reno, and um, I just killed a—I helped a buddy kill a, a pretty good buck. And Chris Lacey, who I'd never met at this point, came over to our shop to get it to score it. And so, working in a, the clothing industry and being a, a, a hunter, I kind of started thinking that there really wasn't much out there that for, for clothing lines in the hunting industry. And mind you, this was 2005, so there, there's more now, but back then there really wasn't. And so um, I got a hold of Chris again, and, and we started working out some ideas. And, um, you know, it the, the those next three years from 2005 to 2009, nothing really worked out right. We had a, you know, bad partnership with a, a couple of guys we worked with, and then we had trademark issues once we got everything settled there, and Chris and I were together, and we got trademark issues, and... So we, you know, start moving forward and then we take 10 steps back and five steps forward and 10 steps back. And finally in 2009, um, Chris's brother-in-law approached him and and Chris and I were kind of still in on the idea, but we just weren't sure how hard, hot and heavy we were because of those three years, it pretty much just wore us out. And Chris's brother-in-law came to us and said, hey, you know, I want to do it. You guys need to stay, stay going with this because you guys have a really good idea. And so we got... Teamed up and uh, there's actually four owners of Dead Eye. Uh, it's it's Chris Lacy, uh, the wildlife artist and like world renowned wildlife artist. He's insane what he that guy can draw. Um, I've got another partner named Jason Williams, who's Chris's brother in law. Um, uh, Jason's younger brother Brian Williams and myself. Um, and in 2009 was when we got everything formed as far as the business and trademarks, and we made sure everything was was okay before we ever uh, dove into it so we we have a bunch of trademarks with the name deadeye and uh, then we started running with it and basically the the vision that I had even in 2005 was I wanted to paint hunters in a good light um, it seemed to me that every every brand or every t-shirt you saw that was hunting hunting related was kind of the redneck blood sport get or done type you know brands they didn't they they were fuel for anti-hunters, not, you know, making us look good to anti-hunters or to non-hunters for that fact, you know. So I, I wanted to change that. I wanted to use Chris's art and and kind of build a brand that a hunter could be proud to wear. Um, something with a, a deer that wasn't 700 inches like most of the, the people designed to make him stand out on a shirt. Something that was like a, you know, a 210-inch buck or 400-inch bull. Something that was realistic with our- so in other
0: words you wanted to bring real life character to your your product meaning you know show a buck with kickers and stuff but not abnorm- not just crazy that just doesn't even look right you wanted it to look classy and look look real tight exactly
1: you know i wanted i wanted it to look legit i wanted it to look look clean and crisp and and, um, and chris is able to draw whatever i ask him um, i do all the graphic design for the company so i'll ask chris to draw me a a desert sheep skull, you know, head on or, or profile or do this and he'll, he'll whip it up. And it's frustrating to watch him draw as a, as an (laughs) artist, Um, you know, and before I met Chris, I actually told him when I first met him, I said, you know, I used to poach all of your art when I was a kid. Uh, I (laughs) I literally would, I would draw, I'd see Chris's art in an Eastman's or a, a trophy hunter magazine. And I would, I would just redraw it in my style. And so it was kind of funny. Chris, Chris and I got along really well. We both have a, kind of smart aleck personalities, and we 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 aren't afraid to say what we think. So it's Chris and I got along real well, uh real well from the beginning, and and we can kind of work together. And we we've got a formula now on how how the art needs to be drawn, and on what paper, and what's easiest to get like scan into the computer. And you know, we work together really well on that on those fronts. And and we both like the same things. I mean, we're both diehard hunters, and you know, I I think. Chris is famously quoted saying, it would be easier to list the animals I don't want to kill than the ones I do, or the yeah. animals I don't want to hunt, so, um, and I'm there with him, and we always, you know, it's always an adventure almost every day at the shop, because you never know who's going to show up with a big bull, or big buck, or big ram for Chris to score, and uh, so it's 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 been pretty good um, working with him and, and his art, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, Chris is not only a Boone and Crockett scorer, but, I mean, he does big murals for Cabela's. He's done, you know, pretty much every wildlife uh, painting that you can imagine, and his work is, you know, unbelievable. Um, and he's got a incredible reputation for, for being a phenomenal artist, so that's a, a great deal that you've got him on the team. Uh, tell me a little bit, uh, you know, from the start with Deadeye, what you guys might have started out with as products and how that product line has grown over the years here.
1: You know, and, uh, I was actually just talking to my partner, Brian, about this the other day. Um, we were laughing actually, because when we started, we had maybe six t-shirt designs and, and no hats. And we thought we were the, you know, the big man on campus and, and, uh, it was, it was just kind of funny. We, we really didn't have much when we started. We, we were working out of a, a basement garage basically. And, uh, and you know, over the years it's evolved into right now I have like a 56 or 58 page catalog that we send off to the wholesalers that have all of our product that we offer to, um, the chain stores and the mom and pop stores. And, and uh, it's evolved quite a bit. We, we went from just doing t-shirts and hoodies to having our own hats manufactured with our specific materials that we, we um, want to. We're having next, we're in the process of, of getting prototypes built of, you know, board shorts and walking shorts and um, bikinis and pretty much anything lifestyle that you, you would wear that any hunter or anything would wear um, I believe we're going to start coming out with socks this fall or next spring, and we're going to be doing kind of a deal where for every pair of socks we buy, we, uh, um, we donate percentage of proceeds to, uh, uh, we haven't figured it out yet, but some organization or some charity of our choice. And, um, you know, just watching the growth over the years, you know, from a, a basement garage to, you know, we've got a nice little-sized warehouse in sparks now in reno
0: awesome and how do you go about in the design process from sounds like you're quite the artist yourself um but how do you take a concept and push it all the way through to the final product
1: um that's a that's a tough question because i kind of just uh, i just i just start throwing stuff at it like i'll, I'll have chris draw up a big mule deer skull i was working on a 2016 design last night um, and so I'll give you an idea with that process. So I had Chris drop a big mule skull for me, and um, I kind of knew basically what I wanted to do with it. But once you start working in, in the Illustrator programs, the Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop, you start realizing, well, that may look cool, but it may not work on a T-shirt. Because that's, you know, it, just because it looks good on a, on a piece of paper doesn't mean it'll translate well on a T-shirt. If it's, you know, just the ratios are off or something's off on how it lays on the shirt. So I'll play around with it and throw it on T-shirt templates and, and just kind of add elements to it until I'm happy with it. Um, but basically, I'll kind of have an idea of a design before before I go at it. You know, I'll um, kind of know the direction I want to go, uh, know the colors of the shirts I'm going to be working with, because that's that'll affect the design a bunch, whether... I need to have contrasting elements. These elements need to contrast versus those elements. And how can I use that T-shirt color to contrast through the art as well? Um, that way, it keeps the print colors down. So, there's, there's a. Uh, it's taken me a good 10 years of self-taught um, computer graphics to figure out. A, I guess have a decent idea of how to do it.
0: Awesome. And um, what do you have coming up? I know you've been working on a lot of new um, products and new designs. Um, When is that going to launch and what can you say about that?
1: Well, we've got – I mean I believe this – we've got a bunch of new products that will be coming out in in July, a bunch of new hats. And uh, it's funny because in the beginning we didn't have any hats. And now I, I bet one of our number one selling items is our hats. And, uh, we've got a, a, pile of new hats and new hat designs that nobody's ever seen hitting in July this year. We'll have several, four or five new t-shirt designs, I believe, hitting in July as well. And, uh, those are just for our, our online store, or online store. Um, so those will be available to everybody who, uh, who wants to shop in our online store. Um, as far, uh, another thing we've got going on that's, um, that's pretty big is, we, we actually, uh, we are the licensing partner with Boone and Crockett and, uh, we do all of Boone and Crockett's apparel and, uh, lifestyle apparel as well. Um, we, we've got a a full line of Boone and Crockett t-shirts and hats and sweatshirts and, and that's, that's actually working really well. I'm really excited to be involved with them because they are hunting in North America. You know, they are the, the, the original conservation organization that, um, that kind of set this this country apart as far as how to how to conserve our wildlife. Um, I was actually, I always just basically thought that Boone and Crockett was just the scoring system and, you know, there's just kind of a, be- a benchmark for the North American animals. But once you dive in to find out how how much money and effort that Boone and Crockett puts back into the, the wildlife it, and when, what the origins of Boone and Crockett actually were, it's really impressive and uh, I think a lot of people forget about that. So. When you purchase one of the Boone and Crockett t shirts, uh, the money's going back to Boone and Crockett. You know, we've got a pretty good deal with them to where, you know, they came to us and they saw what we did and they believed the same as us that, you know, my vision of portraying the hunters and the animals in a good light was why Boone and Crockett approached us and said, hey, we want you guys to, you know, do this for us. And uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good partnership to have.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that can be really big for you. Um, uh, where can people see uh, when when will they get to see the new designs and what is the best way for people to uh, learn about the Deadeye Outfitters products?
1: So our, our website is, is DeadeyeOutfitters.com um, and that's where you can go online and shop. Uh, we've got the Boone and Crockett brand has its own page up there to where you can shop just Boone and Crockett apparel. Um, we've got the dead eye page up there to where you can shop all the men's women's apparel that we sell for dead eye, the hats. Um, and then as far as any of the new products or new releases, um, I run the, all the social media for dead eye as far as Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And anytime we've got a new product or we're launching a new product, it'll be up on the social media sites the day it launches. So, um, you know, we've get, we get, or, or relaunches because we'll have a lot of stuff sell out it's a, it's at a tough point right now because we're growing so fast that we'll produce a bunch of hats and we'll, you know, we kind of underestimate sometimes what we'll sell and some of our product sells out immediately within a day or two. And it's a good problem to have, but then our, our return, we have to have them manufactured and, and, and got brought back to us. So there can be some delays in, in some of the products and not back ordered by any means. We don't, Anytime the product sells out, it's not available on the website. So we, we really rarely have any back orders. But um, we get a lot of people asking if, you know, this hat's going to be available again or this T-shirt. And a lot of times they will be. And so I, I, post, I post a couple times a day on social media. And any time that something's brought back into stock or, or some new product, it's always on the Instagram or Facebook or Twitter.
0: Awesome, and on those, uh, your handles, Deadeye Outfitters, yep. I know on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, Something, the same. All the
1: same thing, Eye Outfitters.
0: Yeah, I noticed um, you have a very big following um, on Instagram, and um, that's just uh, directly attributed to the amount of work that you put in and the cool content that you put up, um, so I want to commend you on on having that following. Um, w- what kind of feedback do you get from your supporters?
1: Oh, it's, it's insane. Um, honestly, Jay, I, I it's if you had told me, you know, when I was 15 years old that this would be what I was doing, I'd probably laugh at you, in your face. I mean, I I, I still to this day can't. It, it it's just exciting to see someone wearing a product that I designed. Um, walking through the Denver airport a couple of years back, and saw a guy wearing one of our mule deer T-shirts and. Uh, just kind of smiled, and I was wearing a dead eye hat, and I we crossed paths, and he, you know, he kind of gave a nod. But, you know, I, I never want to be the guy that's out there bragging it up or saying, "Hey, I own that company," or "I do this." I try to be humble about it, and and uh, if somebody wants to talk to me about it, then I'll talk about it. But um, it's it's really exciting um, how how the the company's developed, and you know, all, all our social media. One thing I I, I really like about our social media is. Most of the pictures you see on there like the the deer, elk, or sheep are taken by myself or Chris or my brother or people that are in our, our core group. We really don't post every every big buck photo you see online or every big bull photo that people just kind of recycle through and you see every page posting. Um, you know, Naturally, if somebody sends me a photo of them wearing dead eye with their big buck or them wearing dead eye shooting their bow, I'll post that up too because it builds credibility to the brand that you know, these guys are out there wearing it. So, um, I, I take uh, pride in the, the, Instagram following, especially because we've, you know, we've built that off of our, our brand, our photos and our fans. And, uh, it's, it's really exciting.
0: Yeah, it is exciting. And, you know, you just, I'm coming through your Instagram account right now and just some phenomenal trophies, uh, on here. And, um, there's, there's some pretty cool photos. There's actually, um, Pictures of famous people wearing your stuff, which is is kind of cool. I see here there's a that there looks like an Ultimate Fighter here wearing wearing your product uh, not too long ago as he was getting weighed in. That's kind of cool. And um, Stone Co- Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing and uh, so I'm sure as an owner it's probably awesome to see some of those people doing that. Oh,
1: it's it's awesome. I mean, we get I get people all the time saying that you know they see Stone Cold wearing it which is neat. And uh, he's, he's actually a friend of, uh, he's our friend's brother-in-law. So we kind of tied in with Steve and I did some t-shirt designs for him. And uh, that, that worked out really well for us because Steve Austin loves the brand. And to say that, you know, I've been able to talk to Steve Austin. is pretty insane. You know, coming from a little kid from Ely, Nevada, you know, I just, it still blows my mind that I've been able to, we've been able to take it this far um, just based off of t-shirts. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough industry. Like we don't have, you know, the hard, good products, or we don't have the, the technical gear, like say the, 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 that the, I wear hunting. I mean, I love that brand. And it's, it's a little bit easier to sell the technical stuff when you've got such a great product. And it's a lot harder to, to sell somebody on a name or a brand like the Deadeye brand. So the fact that we can, we've been able to, to, you know, get so many fans and followers out there of, of our brand, that's, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting
0: yeah it is exciting and to think that you know you guys have built this from a small little in the garage company to as big as it is now and being able to provide the the content and the material and and stuff that you do with with all the different um, products is is a, a phenomenal and it's you know a testament to how hard you guys are working and um, I want you to tell um, my listeners a little bit about the Jay Scott um, discount code that you guys are going to be offering as a part of the sponsorship for the uh, uh, Deadeye Outfitters on the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast.
1: So uh, when we approached Jay about sponsorship, he said he was, uh, you know, right on board and, and he loved our product. So that made us even happy, you know, happier that, that we could get somebody that, that actually believed in the product as well. So. Um, What we did is is for all the followers of the podcast and uh, we've offered you guys a 10% off um, coupon, the coupon code you you put in during checkout is J Scott, just like his name, J A Y S C O T T, And um, it'll save you 10% on anything you purchase in the store, whether it's Boone and Crockett or Deadeye um, or the Cole Witt brand, which I can get into a second or the signature series stuff for Cole Witt. Um, So what, what, that will also match any time we do a sale. So if we do a 4th of July sale and we do a 20% off, um, his coupon code will match those codes as well. And what it does is it it, um, it gives Jay a bit of payback, too. So every every purchase you guys do on the website with his promo code, Jay will, will actually get a piece of that to keep his podcast going. Um because that's that's a big thing we want to keep we want to make sure you're you you know the the j scott podcast lasts i mean i I truly enjoy listening to it, and the guests you you bring on and the the caliber and quality of guests that you bring on is tremendous you know like you know you got some of the biggest names in western hunting on this the podcast, and i want to be able to hear it for a long time so anything we can do to help it help it going is is uh is what we're here for
0: yeah, you know that type of support is um it's really easy for me every day to um, be energized and fired up about, um, you know, producing a new episode and, and contacting uh, people to be on the podcast. And, you know, the support that I've gotten from the listeners, quite honestly, is, is, it's, it's just humbling. I mean, uh, when I started this back in the middle of March, you know, I, I really had no idea where I was going with it, other than I wanted to educate and inform uh, the hunters and fishermen out there. And um, you know, it, it led me to think of how many people in the industry that I do know and have a personal relationship with, and and a lot of those uh, people have really stepped up. And you know, there hasn't been a single person that has uh, you know not wanted to. Uh, come on and take part of, of the podcast and, and, you know, it's, uh, it's very humbling and I've, I've had great support from the listeners and I'm excited to have, uh, Deadeye Outfitters on board as, as, uh, one of my sponsors and I, I want to thank you for supporting, uh, my podcast and, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me about the, the Cole Witt, um, signature series, um, and uh anything else that you have coming up in the future here that the listeners need to be watching for
1: um basically Colwitz uh just a, a friend of ours that races NASCAR um he races the uh the cup series and he he does pretty well and so we uh we we did our, our own he's a huge hunter so we did a signature series uh Cole Witt design that And we're, we're going to keep coming out with uh, more of his apparel, but uh, it's kind of a cross. The t-shirt we have now is kind of a cross uh, between some motorsports some gearhead stuff and, uh, and hunting. It's got a couple pistons and big old whitetail skulls uh, combined. So it's a, it's a pretty neat shirt that's selling really well. And he's just, he's just a really great, humble kid that is doing really well in NASCAR. Um, And he just loves to be outdoors. So, you know, we've, we've, we're trying to tie ourselves with people that actually truly love to be outdoors and love doing what we love to do. It makes it a lot easier to talk to people when when you have common interest, and it makes it a lot easier to deal with people when you have common interest because they understand where you're coming from. So um, we uh, we've we've truly been been lucky to have people like like Cole or, or even for you uh, Jay help us help us push our product as well. Um, without you guys out there, we wouldn't you know there wouldn't be a Dead Eye outfitter, So it's pretty neat.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. Um, before we go today, I'd like you to talk about. Uh, you offer uh, men's, women's, youth, uh, different materials. Talk a little bit about your materials uh, in the t-shirts and and in the hats and 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 so people realize that this is a full product and brand uh, with 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 you know a big big lineup here.
1: Yeah, we've we've probably got about. Forty or fifty T-shirt designs. I think we have probably close to thirty on the website right now, um, and uh, most of our T-shirts are just your basic 100% cotton. We also have a lot of. Uh, we're starting to get more into the soft feel material, uh, the blended material, like more of a performance style shirt for some of the some of the T-shirts, and um, they're all real high end. We don't we don't mess around. We use really high quality apparel. Um, for our shirts. It's 100% branded. It's not just a Hanes t-shirt that has a print on it or something like that. Um, as far as the t-shirts go, the women's stuff, we have everything ranges from tank tops to sundresses to the t-shirts and hoodies. Um, the youth stuff, we, we do have some some youth t-shirts and we need to, actually, I, I need to update that. I, I'm, gr- I'm glad you brought that up, Jay, because I I've been meaning to get the youth stuff brought up to the, the par up in our website. Um, the hats, hats right now are one of our biggest sellers. We have uh, uh, some really neat hat designs now, and it's hard to keep them in stock. Uh, the the materials we use on some of our hats is a it's a uh, one of our most popular hats. The performance, it's a hundred percent poly or it's a polyester spandex mix. It's a really lightweight, comfortable, flex fit hat that. I've never, when I, when I found the material, I found the hat, I've never wore anything that was as comfortable as far as hats go. And, uh, it's, it's changed the game as far as hats for us. We've, we sell more of those than anything else. And, um, it's kind of funny. We, we got a lot of, uh, gruff or or we got a lot of crap (laughs) for bringing the, that the, what they call flat brim hats into the industry. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people every day it's cardboard. You can bend it. It's you don't it's it's just because it comes from the factory not bent doesn't mean it can't be bent. Um, and all, all it is, is it's the shape of the visor is a little bit different. But any major league baseball, football, basketball, any major league sports, that is the mandatory hat that they have to wear. So if you see a major league baseball player with his hat bent up, it's the same visor is the, you know, quote unquote, uh, flat brim. And people, people have some crazy thoughts about the flat brim hat. Um, I think it's here to stay. We sell more of those than any other hat style, um, by far, probably 10 to one. Um, and it's, I think it's just one of those styles that the youth have today and, and it's probably not going to go away, but just because that hat's offered in a flat brim style doesn't mean that you can't bend that brim and, and shape it to whatever shape you would like. They're all shapeable, but the brim is, is cardboard, so it, it can shape into darn near whatever you want, any shape you can get.
0: And, it is funny to see the trends in hats. I mean, if you go back over the last 20 years, you know, you've got – basically it goes from flat to, to really curved to barely curved to back to flat, and, you know, uh, so – it's just a style and, and you know, it, it's easy for, for people to point a finger and, and say, you know, they don't like flat brim or they don't like curved brim, but the reality is it's just a hat, it's a hat. And, and it's a style and, and um, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, upcoming for next next year, um, we're going through manufacturing prototypes right now for bikinis and men's board shorts And, um, I developed a camo pattern last year that we've been using on some hats and stuff right now. Uh, just basically that way I wouldn't have to pay a licensing fee to do anything like that, like the hats or the shorts or the bikinis. Um, and I kind of wanted to have my own signature on it too. So I built, I, I, we're calling it contour. Um, I'm not sure where that will ever go if it goes anywhere for right now. We're just using it on some t-shirt designs and, some uh, accents on hats and on t-shirts and hooded sweatshirts and stuff like that. But, you know, the, the options are there. I don't know if I ever want to dive so far into the technical gear, the hunting gear, like, you know, your Sitka's and your, your KU's. And I, after talking to Jason with KU, I, that guy's got, he's on top of things. So it's kind of hard (laughs) to compete with with somebody like that when they're so far ahead of the game. So I think we're going to stick with what we know for now um, but yeah, we we've, we've got, we'll have some pretty neat stuff coming out next year. Um, we're definitely awesome. stepping up the game, our game on hooded sweatshirts and uh, and um, hats. Once again, the, I'm in, right in the middle of the 2016 catalog and building all the 2016 product right now. So I'm I'm chomping at the bit to get some of this stuff out there because I know it's going to look really good and I know it's going to sell well. And I just, it's my biggest my biggest thing is when i build something really cool i kind of want to hey let's get this going i want to get it out there i want it to start selling but i have to due to buying periods with the stores and all this other stuff i kind of got to you know, play it cool for a bit but
0: <laughs> i know you want to i know there's things you want to tell us about and maybe uh, on some future podcast episodes we can uh, talk about some of the new stuff but i i I know uh, from talking to you behind the scenes, you're chomping at the bit to get some of this stuff out there. So yeah. that's that's great to see the excitement. One last question, I'll let you go. Um, what is the mystery men's and mystery women's uh, on the um, t-shirt?
1: So we've, yeah. we've uh, over the years, you know, we we kind of we've been able to collect and, and ride out a lot of product just kind of trade show use and stuff like that. And you know, we come back; it always seems we have like a couple of each size left over and all these different shirts and. And, uh, we were going through the warehouse the other day and we just started, you know, sorting them out. And so what the mystery men's and mysteries women's is, is, is for five bucks, um, you can buy a a men's t-shirt and, uh, you buy whatever size you, you wear small, medium, large, extra large, triple X, um, And we'll just pull one out of the bucket and send it to you. Um, you, We won't know which one it is until we pull it out of the bucket. But it's going to be probably one of the earlier designs, the first three or four years design shirts we have that we had excess inventory of or or something to that effect. Um, Or miscellaneous inventory. Say we sold all the larges and extra larges and we had mediums and smalls left. So... We're just we're kind of a, a way to give back somebody something fun for somebody to just to buy a five dollar t shirt and then when it shows up it's kind of a surprise. Um,
0: awesome, that sounds kind of fun. Um, well, Nikolai, I really appreciate, appreciate you being on with us today, and I want to remind the listeners when they go on Dead Eye Outfitters and they order, make sure to enter the promo code J Scott. And like Nikolai said, that's going to help me here at the podcast to keep this going. And I uh, look forward to uh, our future relationship here. And I appreciate you stepping up uh, to be a sponsor here on the podcast. And um, did you draw any hunts coming up this fall that you have to be looking forward to or any of your friends or family?
1: My family got skunked this year in Nevada. So um, um my uh, my girlfriend drew her first deer tag ever. Um no bonus points, drew a late rifle deer hunt in Eastern Nevada for one of the units I'm familiar with. So I'm really excited about that to get her out there and see how she reacts to the hunting environment. She's been hunting before, but nothing like this. So we'll see, we'll see how she does. And she's got a a good chance of killing a pretty good buck. So that'll be exciting. And uh, you know, I, I'm jealous of my brother. He's going on a doll sheep hunt here in a month, so that should be fun. Can't wait to hear about that. But I'm probably going to end up just doing Mount lion, uh, maybe heading over to California and doing some over-the-counter stuff, a bear, doing some turkey hunting next spring. And But I I don't have anything planned for myself this fall. So as of yet, but things can change. So
0: yeah, it, it's uh, still a, a lot of time left. And I'm sure you'll find out some friend of yours drew a great tag that you can tag along with. And um, it's great to have a company that's so dedicated to hunting and, and, um, the partnership that you guys have formed with the four of you. Um, it's obvious you guys are taking this very seriously and, um, look forward to, um, uh, sh- sharing here in your future and, and, uh, we'll have to keep the listeners here updated on new stuff that comes out. And I just appreciate you being on today and wish you the best of success this summer and, and, uh, the rest of this fall.
1: Uh, thank you, Jay. Same to you. It was good talking re- good right. you. I really appreciate
0: being on the podcast. All right, buddy, you take care and have, have a good day. Okay. God bless you. You too. Well, that was a great episode with Nikolai with dead Eye outfitters. And I want to thank them for stepping up and being one of the sponsors for the J Scott outdoors podcast. I look forward over the next few months of, uh, forming a partnership and a relationship with them. And I like their products and, and, uh, look forward to seeing all the new stuff that they have, uh, coming and, uh, if you haven't been on their Instagram page, uh, go to Deadeye Outfitters on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, they've got great content on their Instagram page and you have uh, 50,000 followers and uh, it's obvious that they're doing things right and I'm excited to have them on as a sponsor of the podcast and uh, we're going to be adding a few additional sponsors here and I just want to thank all the listeners for your support and uh it's humbling the support that i get from you if you have any questions comments or uh, things that you'd like to see on the podcast you can reach me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com feel free to send me an email and uh, i appreciate all the facebook and instagram messages as well and just the great support from you guys Uh, make sure you get out there to buy your uh, arizona super big game raffle uh uh uh, tickets for the, the the animals and hopefully you'll win a hunt and uh, those are very special hunts darn i have been fortunate to guide several of them on the sheep hunt three years and and uh the, the turkey winner last year and it's just a great time it's a great way to support the state of arizona and until next time guys god bless have a great fourth of july Thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more, go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today.